Welcome to No Rewind with Larry Betag. The next chapter of your life begins today, and you're playing the hero. Whether you're on track and ready to cross the finish line or need a complete overhaul, you've come to the right place. Join Larry as he walks alongside you in the next chapter of your life. We'll take a deep look under the hood to see how you can take the right steps to go from good to great. Victories aren't easy, but regret can be costly. Welcome to No Rewind. You've only got one shot. Okay, Larry Betzeg here with No Rewind. Welcome to our next episode. I think this will be episode five and six or four and five, somewhere along that line. And again, the purpose of uh, this, uh, bro- or, or I should say podcast, is just to go ahead and encourage you and encourage people to go ahead and go from good to great. And from once in a while, I'm, I have the privilege of going ahead and having really awesome guests. And so today, I got a long time history with this guy, and yet no history at all. Mm-hmm. It's a weird, weird way, but I have Monsignor Dan Deutsch with me. And he is, uh, the I'm going to say the Monsignor, the... Uh, Head of or the head pastor at, at St. Pastor, yeah, yeah. So, um, welcome and thanks for being with us today. So, you and I got to know each other. We we, we have a long history together, and uh, even though we were never really connected, you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, uh, we both grew up in St. Charles, mm-hmm. and uh, we went to St. Pat's grade school. So we went. You had your family, I had mine. Went to mass. What mass did you go to? Was was your typical mass that you guys went to? Did you have a regular one? Um, I'm gonna say I don't really remember as a kid because yeah. I probably dragged the mass. But yeah, what? yeah. But we always had like a Saturday, Sunday morning mass, and we always went, never missed. And that's just kind of how things were back then. And uh, grade school was part of our life. Church was part of our life. Uh, solid family, very close. Uh, I wasn't, uh, you know, like a normal normal student. I had my cousins and neighborhood kids as mainly my friends. I had some friends from school, too. Remember Johnny Donnelly and Billy Cavanaugh? Oh, yeah. Those were guys I had. Chuck Warren. Uh, I hung out with them. But you and I, we just we knew each other. We were friendly with each other. We just never... Uh, I don't know. It's maybe because you were weird. I don't know. <laughs> so. I was very weird. But I, probably you were weird, too. Oh, I so, was totally um, weird. Yeah. So how, going back there, how many kids were there in your family? Uh, six of us. And where were you in line? In the middle, yeah. In the middle. So I yeah. think I was a little bit more reserved because I moved here in fifth grade, and I was a new kid. As a new kid coming to the school, you're like uh, you're, you're kind of an outsider. Uh-huh. And I was the oldest, so I didn't have any older brothers or sisters kind of paving the way for me. So yeah, I remember uh, the sister Donald. I think her sister name was. Donald. She hated me. Yeah, she hated me too. Yeah, see, we had that in common. We did have that in common. <laughs> I, I've never been called out to an office. Or I called out in the hall my entire life before or after. But Sister Donald, I call her the prehistoric nun. But she yeah. uh, she must have been as old as dirt. But she yeah. did not like me. And she didn't like kids. And she probably shouldn't have been in the ministry. Either. She shouldn't have been teaching. And she was probably way past her prime. And and uh, they probably just said, like, we gotta put, we got to find a spot for this lady. Because she's terrible to live with at the mother house. So they farmed her out. And they said, take care of Dan and Larry. Yeah. She <laughs> her thing was she never would let me go to the bathroom. Hmm. Boy, hmm. that's all I remember about her. Just yelling at me and never letting me go to the bathroom. I remember a time. Remember I get the guy named John Nelson? Uh, J- John Nielsen? No, Nelson. No. There was John Nelson in fifth grade. 
and uh, she had asked him to do something. And she said, Johnny, dear, would you do blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what it was. But every kid, the, all the guys, would give a razz. And all the guys were like, Johnny, dear, Johnny, dear. <laughs> and so I say, Johnny, dear. And then she turns to me with the most evil scowl and pulls me out, gets another nun. I don't remember who that was. And they pull me out. All I remember them saying is, I can't believe you, a doctor's son, would do something oh, like this. There it is. I'm there thinking, is. I'm going to cry. And I'm like, no matter what, you cannot cry. Yeah. And in fifth grade, you can't cry as a, as a male coming into your prime. But boy, she, she brought me to the brink. Oh, yeah. So those nuns know how to do it. They went for the jugular. Yeah, yeah they, did. they did. But then they were really nice, too. I remember, Do you remember Sister Margaret in sixth grade? I, yes, I do. She was lovely. I mean, she was so nice to me. And I could be having a bad day. And, and I, I was kind of an emotional kid. And so if I, I wore my heart on my sleeve. And so if I was having a bad day, she knew it. She was always really solicitous to me. And mm. are you having a, is everything okay? Can you want to talk? And I, I loved her. So you were there in grade school, and I think that at the most, um, maybe my circles intersected with your circles from time to time. Mm-hmm. But you and I were really, I think, you know what, I had, they had those tracks, like 7-1, well, 7-2, and 7-3. Yeah, yeah. And you remember were probably... How, remember how many kids were in the class, though? There was like 100 kids in, in our mm-hmm. grade school class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but I remember the tracks, 7-1, 7-2, and 7-3 meant 7th grade. And back then, they weren't shy about saying where you belong. So seven one was a smart kid. Seven two was medium, and seven three were the slower kids like me. And you were probably in the seven ones. I don't even remember that there was a thing. Yeah, seven one and eight one. I remember uh, yeah. that everybody was in whatever. I was always in the eight three, so I was yeah. in the lowest class. But um, in any event, so so this happens, and we go through not knowing each other, and then next thing you know, we're in high school. Yeah. We were in high school at St. Edward. St. Edward's. Did you uh, take the bus or what did you do? So my parents dropped us off by the Arcata Theater downtown. And they would give us the 801 Elgin Aurora. And Ah. they would drop us off by, we call the Cabrini Project. Right, right there. Right right off by the top of the hill. The top of the hill. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we would, uh, my cousins, the Enzenbachers, one of them had a car. Those are your cousins? Well, second cousins, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, the Enzenbachers. Huh. They're a great family, too. They're a legacy family. Totally. Hmm. And so, yeah, we would. I, I had a ride, and hmm. I I could count on one hand how many times I'd take the bus up. Hmm. But uh, back, back in those days, that bus was full. We we sent a lot of kids from St. Pat's to St. Anne's. That's not the case anymore. Well, I remember specifically my you know um, my mom and I have my brother who's eleven months younger than me, and he was a year behind me. And so I do remember that they would drop us off on Thirty One and Crane. And we lived west of Randall on Crane, and it was about almost two-mile walk home. And so when they said, all those parents said, they always said, you don't realize how we had to walk home. Mm-hmm. We had to walk home, honestly, two miles a day. Mm-hmm. And my mom's rationale was, come rain or shine. She only picked us one time during an electrical storm. Mm-hmm. But she's like, you guys are high school boys. You have too much energy, and if you're not in a sport, you're walking home. Right. And so she wanted us to get the energy out. Yeah. And so every day, two miles home. Yeah, yeah. We used to. We never got rides unless the weather was really bad. Mm-hmm. We and we we were we lived on Fourteenth Street, so what is that? A mile and a half, maybe. And we mm-hmm. thought it was forever. Mm-hmm. But we all walked together. Neighborhood kids walked with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. So I want to. Yeah, the reason I'm here and the reason I'm excited is just because uh, since you've been uh, positioned back here at St. Pat's, mm-hmm. actually it's kind of cool because we've had this knowledge of each other, but not really. 
maybe the uh, the connection and the trust that, that gets mm-hmm. built up over a friendship. And now I feel like that's developed. And I mm-hmm. there's such admiration for you. And um, I really enjoy the, the, the friendship. But I, I was thinking, boy, it'd be great to have you here. And what I want to do is, you know, after high school, you know, you're, you're vapor, I'm vapor. I don't think of Dan Deutsch once since I graduated high school. And I'm sure that you probably didn't think that much of me either. Mm-hmm. And I, I go off on my merry way and you're off on your merry way. But you know what? Uh, the priesthood is such a it, it, it's such an enigma today. There there's so many things that are just so needed, so necessary, and yet there's so many things that they get uh, bad stigma for, for for real reasons, and they get mm-hmm. bad stigma for um, reasons that are just uh, stereotypical mm-hmm. versus reality. And so what I want to do is before we get into that stuff, I want to hear about your journey since you and I divorced in high school. So tell me what what happened then. Uh, well. I- after high school, I went to NIU, and you know, I my who who lived next door to me. Remember John Evan Pato and Bob Hitchler? Oh, Blob. And, yeah, Blob. Yeah, and uh, and we used to hang out and uh, Barb Reeser and Kim Cunold and and these people. And that was like my first semester. And uh, but then you kind of develop your own friendships, and that's what happened. And I was in, at Northern. I studied. Uh, uh, finance and economics, and had a great time at, at school. And when I graduated, uh, I worked for uh, Jim Oberweis. Do you know mm, him? Yeah, the the politician and the, the Oberweis family. The, the Oberweis family. He they own the one, the part of the family owned the dairy. He owned an investment firm. Right. And so he gave me my first job. Mm. It was a summer internship. Then I went to work for him after college, and then uh, we worked out something. I can't remember exactly what, but I went and worked downtown. At uh, Exchange National Bank, which I, I don't know who bought them out now, but they're not there anymore. And they had, and I was on the bond floor for about a year, and we traded the short end of the yield curve for me. And then I went, uh, they asked me if I wanted to go to the floor and trade with uh, their partner down there, Discount Corporate New York. And I don't even know if they're still there. Everything's changed down mm-hmm. there. It was all open outcry. Mm-hmm. And... And I was living downtown too. So when you say all open outcry, that's when the guys are screaming and screaming holding and, and trading. Oh, it's all hand signals. Yeah. And I was doing that. I stood at my desk. I had accounts, and I traded uh, euro dollars, and I hand sold all the orders in and got them back and wrote everything on cards with pencil and and you, know, you tally up your trades at the end of the day and try not to lose too much money and make too many mistakes. That had to be out of college. i got to say, you know, that's probably every kid's dream is to graduate college and get onto the floor. Yeah, it was. And I was like, man, this is fantastic. And I'm living downtown. I had a, a terrific apartment in Lincoln Park with uh, uh, Brian Callahan and Jerry Canise. No way. I yeah. Wow. How about that? Yeah. Because those were our uh, high school buddies. And, and so we... Uh, we were just living the life down there and, and was going to Cub games and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, it was a, but it's a weird life down there on the floor. People are very, uh, you know, like this, I'm in it for myself and for money. And, and that's what I wanted to do. I had always felt a call to the priesthood. I've always been encouraged to think about it. It was always in the back of my mind. I, something I always found very attractive. I played mass when I was a kid and was always a very religious kid. I won the eighth grade religion award. I don't. I, bet you don't remember that. <laughs> I did not know that yeah. at all. No. And and so it was always in my mind. But like, no, I want to go out and make money and and just make be a big show. And and I was living downtown doing all that stuff. And and at the same time, I was remember I was about twenty five years old. And so twenty five, you would have been doing this for a few years. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, graduate. What are we? What do you graduate at? Probably twenty one. Twenty two. Yeah. So yeah. I was doing it for a few years, and I think you know what? This isn't. I'm not feeling it. There's something wrong. There's something not right about this, and you know the the friendships you have on the floor were very uh, very uh, uh, kind of shallow and. It, it was just, it wasn't real friendly. Uh, and at the same time, you got your friendships uh, that you're living out in your, you know, your social life. And everybody's starting to make decisions about what they're going to like. They're getting serious finally. And Serious about careers. Career, uh, uh, relationships, uh, marriage. And So up until that point, I'm going to guess, and that was just a big party up until then? Work yeah, hard, play hard? Yeah. It was a, it was, it was a, it was a fun time. And... I was enjoying it, and I, I would say that maybe a little bit too much sometimes. And but this is it's a life experience, and I I had to decide. And I, I remember one day, and I was I was getting really tired of kind of pushing the Lord off, and I had to make a decision. And so one day it was a fast market, and uh, I had a few minutes. Like a, 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 I was writing my cards, and I said, you know, what? I think I'm going to call my dad. Well, I had never called my dad from the floor. And I called him, and he's like, you've never called me from the floor. What are you doing? What's wrong? Is everything okay? And I said, well, I'm just calling. He goes, you know, Dan, you don't have to stay in that job. Why don't you quit and come home? I was like, well, who is this? Who is this person? Uh, You're thinking that to your dad, or your yeah, dad's thinking that to you? I'm thinking this. To my, yeah. I can't believe he just said that to me. Because he he's the kind of guy that said, you never quit a job, and you got another one, and you just be responsible. And here he is telling me to quit without another job and come home at the same time. Uh, and I'm like, holy smokes. And it hit me like a, a lightning bolt. So I hung up the phone. And it, we wore these badges. Mm-hmm. Like, and mine was, was, I had a yellow jacket. And my name tag was DJD and Discount Corp. And, and so I took my badge off, took my jacket off. That was, that's who you were. That's what got you on the floor. That was your identity and your admittance. And uh, you belonged. And I took it off and I handed it to my boss. And I said, he goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm out of here. I quit. Wait, 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 wait. So you just did that? You didn't have days thinking about it? You just no, made the decision? No, I did it. I did it in the moment. It was crazy. And I remember going down the, because the, the floor is on, is on the third floor of the, of the mercantile building, and you had to take the elevator up three floors. And it was a long elevator, escalator. And I remember going down thinking, my gosh, what did you just do? And I came out. and it was Wait, like, wait, wait. Did the guy say anything to you? Oh, he's yelling at me. He's like, yeah, you can't, what? Get back here. This, that was important. And and in hindsight, and I'll get to that in a minute. I'll go back to that. But I, I got went outside. It was the middle of the day. It was like uh, twelve o'clock, and I got on the L because that's how I got to work, and it was empty. And I, I I always get in the L in the morning around four thirty in the morning. It was packed with people. Mm. The first time I'd ever been in, it was like nobody on there. Wow. And I sat down and I was just like, oh my gosh, you just r- blew everything up. And and there's a reason for that because and I, now I know that had I not done that I would have been tempted in the interim to go back and say hey I was just out of my head a little bit let me can I have my job back but I had done it in a way that I could never do that so I uh, went home and I back to your place and back to my place and I I kind of lived off my you know savings for a little bit because it's you can't live downtown without a job right it's crazy and. Uh, but I had my apartment. I had my friends, and and meanwhile, my parents are saying, you know, "Dan, you got to come home. You don't have a job. You got to come home." And 
I remember I, uh, my landlords lived upstairs, Ben and Mary Hart. Uh, they were lawyers, lawyers in love. That's what mm. I used to call them. Remember that Jackson? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I went upstairs and I said, I, can I talk to you guys? I said, I, I, I got to get out of my lease. He goes, you just signed it. I said, I know. He goes, uh, there's, there's no way we're going to let you out of the lease. I said, I, I think I'm going to be a priest. And he goes, ah. That's the one reason. And they said, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's because they were Catholics. And, wow. And they said, that's like the only reason you could have pulled out of your hat. Wow. And huh. of course you can get out of the lease. And uh, we just want to know what's going on and let us, know, let us know how you're doing. And and so it, I, I got out of the apartment and, you know, my roommates were upset, but they found somebody else. And, and at the same time, I, I went home. And um, I live with my folks, and I worked at uh, Ray's Evergreen because my dad owned this tavern, and I bartended. That's great. So you go from the floor of exchange to a bar. To a bar. Huh. And that was tre- tremendous experience for, like, confession because people have a few pops, and they'll tell you anything. Oh, yeah. And pour their hearts out to you, yeah. you know? And I was a good bartender. I, you know, people would, it was a place where regulars came. And, All right. What's your go-to drink that you can make? Oh, it was a shot in a beer place. Oh, okay. You know, make, maybe a Manhattan. Or a gin tonic or something yeah, like that. The most okay. complicated right. thing. But I would know who, the, I'd see them coming in the parking lot, and I'd get their drink ready, and and they'd come in, and they'd have a couple, and then they'd tell me their whole life story. It was great stuff. I love doing that. Um, then I, I I went to the seminary, and I thought, I'm just going to get this out of my system. So what? why did you... Um... You were honestly. This wasn't a thing that when your dad said that, is it the switch flipped, or were you just kind of debating him? That's why you bartended and it kept growing, or was there just a no, no. moment? There was a there was a gap from when I got home to when seminary would accept me, and there was you have to like get in there like early. You have to start the process well in like spring to get in the fall, and I was well into that. So I just they said wait a year. You know, just stay in touch with us. We're not, you know, we want you, but you got to wait a year. So I worked at home, and then I went to the branches at NIU. It was St. Mary's. They had a house of discernment there. Mm. And I lived there for about four or five months, and then I went to seminary. Mm. And, I, and even in the back of my mind, I said, you know what? I'm going to get this out of my system. I'll realize what a crazy thing it was, and I'll, 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 I'll go back to work. But I got there, and I was like, holy smokes. I've, it was the first time in my adult life where I felt like everything fell into place. Mm. Mm. And it was it was an unbelievable experience. So yeah. as a little sidebar, um, two things. One, what do you say to people um, that, that don't... I mean, I, I think you're, you're going by the peace in your life. I think that right now, today, mm-hmm. there are so many things right now that aren't going well for people. And they're, 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 they're trying to fill up with a lot of garbage really to kind of cover those things. Is, was there just like a moment you knew? Uh, as I said, I had always thought about it. I always felt like called to it. Uh, but I always felt as though it was something that I could manage and say, you know, it's a nice thing, it's an option, but I don't want to explore it. But here's the thing with God. God gets what he wants. And he's not going to ask you to do anything you're not going to be happy with or comfortable with. Or great at. A great at. Talented at. Talented at. So... I, I that was the thing I had to accept mm-hmm. is that all these things that the Lord had given me in my life, uh, these gifts were going to be applied in the in the best way possible in the in, in the priesthood. And 
So I'm going to maybe say it a different way. It all of a sudden was like, I, I told people like when I was dating, I dated everybody and their mother. And uh, my, my wife teases me about that, and uh, but I did. And uh, I got set up on a blind date with Michelle. I went kicking and screaming because I'll never do a blind date. I got lied to to go to the, 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 the date because I knew I wouldn't do a blind date. Who lied to you? Um, the guy who set me up, uh-huh. uh, a big attorney in town. And um, so he said, I promised her you would call her by Tuesday. Well, my father gave me a plaque. The only thing he's ever given me is right behind you. There's a plaque that says about the name Betag and how your name is everything. You can't blow it. So I'm like, why would you tell him her that I would call? He goes, well, I did. You got to call her. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm in this town. She's in this town. So if I don't call her, my name is Mud. So I called her. I set up a blind date. I didn't even dress up. I went there to just knock it off the list. And it was hand and glove. And mm-hmm. so I use that thing, hand and glove. And so for you and for the people out there listening, it's a hand and glove kind of thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You just feel like this. For me, you know, I, I chase so many women and I've had so many women chase me. And there's electricity about it, but it wasn't hand and glove. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of like what you were on the floor yeah. to that? I, it, it, was, I was, it was doable. I, I enjoyed it. It was exciting. It was fun. But it didn't fit. It didn't feel right. Uh, it, it was. I, I never went home thinking that was like the best day ever. Mm-hmm. I never had that feeling when mm-hmm. I was doing that. Even when I was studying in school, mm-hmm. finance, which I loved. My, I had this great professor, Dr. Komarinsky. My favorite classes. So this is going to be my life. Mm-hmm. But it, it, as I got closer to graduation, I'm like, holy smokes! I don't think that this is. Uh, is, is this does, just doesn't feel like I want to do this for the rest of my life? I graduated feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Who does that? I suppose there are a lot of people. Oh, I think there is. I remember a, a buddy of mine played. A, he was a tight end of our football team, and he was a sophomore in college. And he said, "I, I hate accounting." I'm like, "Well, why don't you switch?" He goes, "No." He goes, um, "My life's over." I'm like, "What do you mean your life's over?" He goes, "No, seriously." He goes, "I'm not wasting another three years in this school. I'm getting my degree, and I'm getting out, and I'll start working on accounting." I go, dude, that's horrible. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, that's what it is. And he sat and he drank and drank and drank and he played football. And uh, that this last, uh, he was the coolest dude ever. Yeah, but he, when he graduated, he went into accounting. And I got to tell you, unless something's happened, I got to tell you, that's a miserable person. Yeah, yeah. The, the Lord's got a plan for every single person, uniquely. But, you know, he's, he's given you a life that he wants you to live. And... We don't do it perfectly, right? No, we'll never. Make mistakes. No, we always. I mean, look at the, the convoluted path it took me. Uh, mm-hmm. But I can look back and say, all those little detours I took trying to avoid being a priest ended up serving me in my own little, uh, in my own way. That yeah, I, I learned how to live on my own. I learned how to pay bills. I learned what it means to, you know, get a paycheck and balance a budget, which I was never really good at. <laughs> so, uh, every, you know, so everything I went through is, is somehow a part of, is still part of my life and still helps me. So did you have, well, what, what, the second question before we move on, John and Mary Hart, have you kept in contact with them at all? Yeah. Every, every so often, uh, that's the landlords, right? Yeah. The Ben and Mary and they still live there. Uh, I think they have the whole building now. And uh, lovely people uh, were at my ordination. Wow. And, yeah. How about that? Mm-hmm. They, I said the one th- oh, that was the only thing I could have said to them. And I bet you <laughs> if you dropped out of seminary, they'd say, hey, we're holding you to the lease. <laughs> yeah. you got to come back and live here. <laughs> yeah, finish it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so when you're in the seminary, did you have a doubt at all? Uh, you know, one, one doubt I had was when, it wasn't a doubt. 
it was a, it was a it was a realization like oh this is it there's no going back uh, there was a girl I had dated when I was in Chicago and and she and I had talked about this and she encouraged me you, you need to go and I was like well I thought you would argue <laughs> bye see you dad no you're great hey you go to the priesthood I'm good <laughs> well she got married while I was there in seminary and I was like oh that was a door that slammed huh? yeah and huh. it wasn't even her it was just the whole idea of like family and kids mm-hmm. and is that something you ever struggle with over the years at all? Uh, no. Um, because I'm called to this life, and and I have so many people in my life. Uh, I have so many nieces and nephews. Um, it, but there's, I said there's always going to be a part of me that wonders what kind of dad I would have been. Mm-hmm. I think I would have been a good dad. I think you would have been too. Yeah. And because I'm a good pastor. Mm-hmm. In, some, in, in some respects. I mean, it's always a mixed bag. But I like being a priest. I like being a spiritual father to how many families? 3,000 mm-hmm. families. And mm-hmm. um, So you're in, in many ways, forget about the label father. Forget about Father Deutsch or Monsignor mm-hmm. Deutsch. But in, in a realistic, you are a father mm-hmm. because you're leading your children, so to speak. And those are the people that God plays in front of you. Right. And so people come up to me and call me Father. Oh, Father Dan, th- thanks for that Mass or whatever. And they go, oh, I'm sorry, I should have called you Monsignor. I said, no, Father's a better title. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's, mm-hmm. that's what we all aspire to as men, right? Mm-hmm. To be, and that in seminary, they told us, you should not be here if you cannot picture yourself as a husband and as a father. That's great. Because that's what you're going to be doing. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, well, um, as we continue on, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap this episode up, and I want to get into maybe the Catholic Church, you... What about priesthood for the young kids? Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think there's, I, I think there's no greater need than this, mm-hmm. and yet I think that there's no greater stigma than maybe today's day. And I got to tell you, with the way and the things that you set up in our in our parish, with having um, Father Clay and our Father Jack, I mean, these kid these guys are awesome, and I know that the kids love them, and they're they're sincere, genuine guys that, that will come over and have a have a beer, and they can relate, and they're not like out of touch. And right. um, so, if you're okay, we might come back and let's do another episode. Sure. Okay, well, let's go ahead and do that. So, Dan, thanks for coming. Hey, this is No Rewind with Larry Betag, and if you could do me a favor, if you like this, I want you to share this and uh, like it, maybe put post it on one of your your Facebook feeds or your uh, Twitter feeds or. Mm-hmm. Instagram and uh, share it with people. And this is also brought to you by the, you'll hear the commercial. I got to do a little selfless self promotion, but Cherry Creek Mortgage is paying for this today. So thanks for everything. And uh, Dan, why don't you hang on? Let's have another episode. Okay. Thinking about buying a new home or refinancing your existing one? With interest rates this low, what are you waiting for? Today's historically low rates means now is a great time to take the next step. Talk to Larry Betag from Cherry Creek Mortgage. Larry is a great resource to answer all your home financing questions. Call Larry at 630-524-9677 or visit www.cherrycreekmortgage.com forward slash Larry Betag. Larry Betag, NMLS number 158606. Cherry Creek Mortgage Company, Inc., NMLS number 3001. An equal housing opportunity lender. Not everyone will qualify for products offered. Thank you for joining Larry Betag at No Rewind. 
Be sure to repost this podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contact Larry directly, you can email him at batag at comcast.net or you can call him at 630-417-7172. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode of No Rewind. No Rewind.